Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. Welcome back to the Garlic Marketing Show, Ian Garlic. And today we're going to talk about getting micro famous with Matt Johnson. Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. It's, uh, it's an honor. I'm really excited to have the conversation. Yeah, Matt's, uh, you know, has two super successful podcasts. Is an agency owner. Uh, we're going to talk about the power of getting micro famous, and at the end, we'll talk about that one question that he uses to really massively build his referral network. It's it's a pretty cool trick. I'm going to call it a trick. Uh, but before we get started, this is brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. One of the best ways to stay famous is through your customer stories. Uh, we go to VideoCaseStory.com to learn how to collect, craft, and deliver the perfect customer story at the perfect time. All right, Matt. So, you know, I, I want to get into what Microfamous is because I think this is a very, very important concept. But let's talk a little bit about your background, you know, because, I mean, you're running a super successful real estate podcast. How did you get into the marketing arena? I know you've probably told us a thousand times, but I want to hear it again. <laughs> yes, as I'm sure everybody has. Okay, so 60-second bio is uh, I got pulled into running an agency, but my background is in the coaching consulting space, uh, specifically in real estate. So at one point, I was a partner in like four or five different like joint ventures and coaching businesses and stuff like that. But what we did to grow those businesses was start podcasts and they did really well. A couple of them did better than the others. And that led to the concepts that ended up in the micro famous book. But along the way, I was doing so much content that I basically built this team behind the scenes so that I could just show up, hit record, talk and walk away and not worry about the podcast. And uh, when I started to tell people that's what I was doing in order to produce all this content, they're like, well, can I work with those people when they're not working for you? And I'm like, yes, fine. So I basically rented out my team. Uh, and then of course we got too many clients and that broke, right? So I had to turn it into a real agency. So I got pulled into running an agency and it literally pulled me out of all the coaching consulting stuff I was doing. So I shut down most of all those ventures. I still have one where I co-own uh, a revenue share line in the real estate space that makes me six figures a year off the back of that real estate podcast. So great. Um, but yeah, I just dived into being an agency owner. I love it. We have great clients, great systems. Um, I don't spend my time putting out fires. So I work about three to four hours a day total. The agency itself only takes me a couple hours a week to manage on the production side. Um, and I get to ba basically spend the rest of the time creating content and talking to coaches and consultants, which is what I love to do. Love it. And I, you know, and, and podcast is super powerful. We've talked about this in the past. Um, and I'll talk about your real estate podcast a little bit as well as of course the micro famous podcast. Uh, but you know, it's interesting to me, you know, because that's, you just said something big, like that four hours a day, you know, obviously it's not the four-hour work week. It's four-hour, four-day work-hour day. Uh, but um, how did you get to that point? What were the keys to getting to that point? So uh, there was a point a few years back where I looked up and realized that the business only actually needed three things for me to to grow and keep going. So for me, it was strategy. Uh, copywriting and team building. And of course that changes and it's a little bit different for everybody. But those are my superpowers and that's what the agency needed. So I'm like, great, let's offload everything else. So I was already steeped in this culture from the agency I came out of, of just documenting and systematizing everything. I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing uh, and refining our systems to the point where I got everything that wasn't 
in those three skill sets off my plate through a combination of number one, building the system first, and then number two, hiring somebody good, smart, capable, consistent to come in and run the system. So I didn't go out looking for rock star people right away. I focused on building rock star systems first, and then I brought good people in to run rock star systems. So uh, what that ended up doing is building this really stable business where even when we have staff turnover, it really doesn't affect us. We just, we don't really skip a beat. Um, and then I built a little internship program that brings new talent into the agency when I need it. So it kind of brings fresh, fresh blood in, uh, and it solved the problem of turnover. And so, uh, it was really just dialing in what are the things the business needs from me? What are the things that I'm doing right now that don't fall into those categories and how can I systematize it? And then you hire somebody to take over those systems. Simple enough. <laughs> but once again, it sounds simp simple, simple, yeah. but not easy. Yeah. And how long did it take you to get to that point where you, you felt comfortable working just a few hours a day on this? Uh, I would say probably from 2018 to late 2019. So almost two years it took me from getting to the point where I had that realization to where I had kind of hired the final piece to where I could step back. And I knew that even my most valuable, highest paying clients were perfectly fine, taken care of, happy. Uh, and I could, you know, I, I, I stopped scheduling calls on Mondays, stopped scheduling calls in the afternoon. So that was uh, late 2019. Nice, nice. And so along the way, I mean, how long have you had the real estate podcast? And, and tell me a little bit more about what the, how you generate revenue from it. So the real estate podcast started in 2015. The initial idea was my co-host and I, he was like a prospecting master. He's done like 600,000 cold calls under his belt. I was going to be the marketing guy and we we're going to do some sort of coaching and info products together. We did everything. We did live classes. We did digital products. We did coaching. Um, not much that we enjoyed. Uh, the thing that we did that was the most successful was live classes. And, uh, but we weren't making six figures in revenue off that. What changed all that is, I mean, number one, we had an audience, right? So, I mean, that podcast is coming up on 2 million downloads. It's not one of the biggest, but it's not one of the smallest either. Like it, it consistently makes the top, top five, top 10 lists in that space. Um, and it built enough of an audience to where we're able to take advantage of an opportunity. The opportunity was there's a virtual brokerage that basically allows people to join up underneath you, cite you as a sponsor, and then you make a, a cut of their commissions forever. So we literally make a cut of agents' commissions because they signed up with this company because we went and told them to. We told them about the company. Now that is like the holy grail of coaching and consulting is to be able to make a cut of somebody's income for life because you, they made one change. And unfortunately that doesn't exist in a lot of spaces, but it does exist in real estate. And now that that model is out there, I wouldn't be surprised if it starts making its way into mortgage and executive recruiting and some of these other spaces. Like if I could tell coaches and consultants, if there was a way that they could set up this structure to make a cut of their, their coaching clients income for life, you know, like that would be the ideal. So yeah, it's a really rare thing. That is, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's an amazing thing. And so, you know, I personally think there's a lot more value than building an audience and podcasts. And we'll talk about that in a second when we get into the micro famous, but how did you go about building this real estate audience for your podcast? Well, so a couple things, we didn't have to push it out a ton. Now we had access to an email list of about 10,000 at the time through my partner now, it, but there was no real relationship there. Right. Um, so we started, uh, we, we caught a couple of what I would call waves or fast growth niches, whatever you want to call them. So number one, we, we got in on the front end of when the wave of, of podcasting in real estate itself was taking off. 
we also caught the wave of Google Hangouts when that was still like on its upswing, right? Because we started doing Google Hangouts, so we took advantage of that. The next wave that we caught was Facebook Live. So somehow behind the scenes, my partner got linked up with this venture startup in SoCal where they got one of the very first integrations from Facebook Live before you could go live on Facebook through its own platform. So we were, bam, like jumped right on Facebook Live as soon as literally anyone else was doing it that wasn't a Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right? So whenever that first opened up, so we rode that wave. Um, Those waves have all leveled out, right? So we're actually pulling back, going back to improving the audio quality of the show. So we switched over to Riverside, like what you're on, to boost the audio quality. And, uh, and we're shifting gears a little bit, but that was the, that was most of the initial growth was some was, some of it was intentional, some of it was not, but what we did was we basically positioned ourselves to, to ride and catch all these waves that were going on in the culture of our space at the time, whether it was new technology being adopted, um, and things like that. Another, another example is I had another real estate podcast and it wasn't necessarily a technical wave that we caught. The wave that we caught was this new fast growing niche inside of the industry that was causing lots of buzz in the industry. And we aimed the podcast to be the first and only show that was aimed at that niche. So even though that was a smaller audience, it actually built a multi six figure coaching consulting business relatively quickly because it was aimed at this, you know, little kind of a growing niche inside of, uh, inside of the industry. So I think the, the best thing for podcasters that I can tell people on growth is that if you feel like you're having to push, something is wrong. Like you should be positioning yourself to catch a wave to where people are pulling their content towards you rather than you pushing it on them, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I mean, how do you go about figuring that out? Are you, is that something you're constantly evaluating? You know, are you, are you sitting out there? Yeah. How do, yeah. How do you so do when that? we work with clients, um, it's, it's one of the things that I'm focusing on more and more when I'm working with clients before they launch their podcast to try to figure out what, like, where is the buzz in the industry? Uh, if, you know, if they're signing on there in real estate, I know where the buzz is. Like, it's not a question. If they're, if they're outside in other industries where I don't, I'm not in it every day, there's a process of discovery to find out, is there a fast growth niche where we can aim the podcast at that will get you massive attention? So yes, we're focusing on that before the podcast launches. And then we're evaluating that as it goes on. You know, one of my pot, one of my podcast clients runs a podcast called uh, Money School. And what's interesting about that is that one of the big niches in money is crypto and DeFi, right? Decentralized finance. He's not so much into the, he has has someone that he sends people to, but he hasn't really talked about that on the podcast. And unfortunately, that is the fast growing niche in financial right now. It's all all crypto and DeFi. So if you want to capture like if you want to ride the wave, you got to be always be looking for what that next wave is. And either you got to move where you're positioned at in or like to be front and center, or if you at least got to incorporate that so you don't get left behind by all the people stampeding away from your podcast to go listen to the latest, greatest thing that's coming up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's it. It's interesting to think about it that way, because it's I think a lot of people are passive with the podcast and they also th- like want to use tricks. And yeah. it's really it, it makes sense. It's it's your typical broadcast idea is like what's the trend follow the trend take advantage of the trend yeah um are there any tactics though that you on top of just getting that type of content that you found work yeah i would say the most effective tactic for growing a podcast is to get on other podcasts which sounds sounds you know i guess low level but 
Um, I mean, I listened to all of Tim Ferriss's three-hour marathon episode on how to grow a podcast, and you know, the, the one thing he said that actually mattered was that. <laughs> there's there was about six tactics he threw out. None of them were super surprising or, or valuable. Uh, he said the number one thing he's ever done to grow his own podcast was to go out and get featured on other podcasts. Um, so the, what I took that and like, I, I put that on steroids. So I have a system inside. I have a dedicated person on my team that does nothing for me, uh, but pitch me out to podcasts and build relationships with podcasters and stuff like that. So I am consistently getting interviewed in other places. Uh, that's one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah. You know, it's, it, we had Kit Gray, founder of Podcast One on, and, you know, that's what, and, and they've grown mega podcasts and, and, you know, and some of the biggest podcasts out there. And that's what he said. Number one way to market podcasts is on other podcasts. Yeah. And this is, you said this is Podcast One. Is that yeah. Westwood One's uh, podcast company? Like the big one that does all of Adam Carolla's stuff? And yeah. Yeah. Those? Yeah. Yeah. Kit co founded uh, with Adam his first podcast. That's oh, how he did got he started. really? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'll actually, I'll introduce you to Kit. I would love to uh, meet him, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, that's actually one of the big reasons I got in. So I remember downloading Adam Carolla's podcast onto an old school MP3 player so I could play it in my car before I, because I never had an iPod or a smartphone. So I, yeah, I literally downloaded it onto an MP3 player and I would not have started my own show if I hadn't listened to Adam Carolla since like 2010. That, yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome, yeah. I'll, I'll make sure to, Kit will love that. And yeah, if you guys have, haven't listened to Kit's podcast, it's fantastic, it's a great interview. Uh, I'm lucky to score that one because I've yeah. known him for 30 years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've known him for 30 years and you're still looking yeah. to score him? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no it, was, it wasn't really the biggest score. It was like, hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it should be like that if you've known you for 30 years. You shouldn't have to go through an application process. No, it wasn't. It was more like, <laughs> hey, we were having a beer. I'm like, why well, haven't been on my podcast? Um, <laughs> uh, so speaking of podcasts, micro famous, I think this is a huge, huge concept. I think micro authority, micro, being micro famous is so important because I, you know, when you look at podcasts and everything you're talking about, I think people get skewed at big numbers and, and thinking about, they need to be, you know, all, they need to be everywhere and everything to everyone. You know, what is the concept that you around micro famous and why do you feel that it's better than being famous, famous. Well, so a couple things, like a lot of my clients are either introverted or digitally introverted. In other words, they're, they're extroverts in real life, but they have no interest in living their life online and being uh, a Gary Vee wannabe. So yeah. for those types of people, like you don't need massive eyeballs. You definitely don't need to out, wake up every day asking yourself the question, how do I get the maximum number of eyeballs on my content? That literally is the question that goes around in Gary Vee meetings because I've talked to some of these to work for them. You don't have to do that. Um, like my clients would rather be invisible at the grocery store and mobbed at the conference. Yep. Right. I, I have no interest in not being able to go to my local grocery store and not be stopped. Like I, I would like the freedom to, you know, like just kind of live my life anonymously in my daily life. But when I show up to an industry conference that's full of the right people for me, I want them to already know who I am. And that's one of the most powerful things a podcast can do when you don't worry about getting the maximum number of eyeballs. Because what that does is it frees you up. So in the book, we talk about what I would call the clear and compelling idea. You know, making sure that the idea of your brand, your podcast, whatever it is, is so razor sharp, clear and it's really interesting, arresting, and compelling to the right people that once they hear about it, they can't unhear it. You can't create that sharp of an idea 
for your podcast or your brand if you're worried about getting the maximum number of eyeballs. Because what it leads you to is it leads you to big, general, watered-down ideas rather than really specific, razor-sharp, clear ideas. Um, one of the best examples is that podcast I mentioned that, that was smaller in the real estate space, but it you know, did really well and it kind of caught this niche. So that, that client runs a coaching, consulting, and events company business. Uh, they do about 10,000 downloads a month. The entire market of people who should be listening to that podcast because of what they sell and how expensive it is, is only 15 or 20,000 in a given year. He's getting 10,000 downloads a month in a market that's only 15 or 20,000 people. So he has a huge percentage of the mind share of that whole niche. Now that's a very small niche, which is, which is great, except he's making multiple six figures and doesn't have to hardly work because the podcast does the, like all the heavy lifting for him. He went from having to hustle and answer a ton of questions to get people to come in for a two grand workshop to raising the price to three grand and not having to hardly do anything. Like people just sign up off the website and show up at his office in Omaha, Nebraska, having got off of a plane and not even know who he is. Uh, you know, he walks in and they introduce themselves for the first time. So to me, that's the power of like when a podcast is aimed really strategically at a small, fast growing, lucrative kind of niche, you can build really amazing businesses off of it and never have to worry about being recognized at the grocery store. Love it. Love it. I don't want to be recognized at the grocery store. No. Uh, don't you want the freedom to like, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you still get the chance to zoom around them and, and make it known that they have done something to offend you without having to worry about whether they recognize you. I mean, can you imagine being cut off in traffic by Tony Robbins? <laughs> How would you not talk about that on social media? Oh, I'd be taking pictures, following of course. Them down, exactly. uh, taking video. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and also it, it makes your relationships much more valuable, right? Because it's like you, you and it's that power of relationship. So, uh, how do you go about? you know, finding that niche, you know, it, it, can anyone find that niche? You know, you're talking about coaches and consultants. How do they find that? How do you go about really, really honing in on that? Okay. So to me, it's like uh, a Venn diagram. One side of the circle is you, what you're passionate about, what you want to be known for, your identity, your hangups, all that stuff. So it's you. The other circle is the market, the audience, like other people, basically. And you're looking for that little sliver, that, that little overlap between the stuff that's really meaningful to you and, and the things that you want to be known for and what the market will respond to. So it's this kind of ongoing conversation, basically, between you figuring out what you're willing to be known for and what you're passionate about and what will sell and what will make you the most money for the least amount of effort. Um, and that's, a, like I said, it's an ongoing conversation. It's not something you'll necessarily nail right out of the gate. Um, you know, like I, I certainly haven't necessarily nailed it right out of the gate. Uh, it's, it's a moving target. Um, but if you know that that's the goal, it does change your awareness. If that makes sense. Like, like, the th I mean, just think about like, if your goal is to sell one thing to one kind of person, everything, every, all of your thinking is going to be geared in that direction. If you, if your intent is to be known for one thing, your intent is going to be geared in that direction. Um, and that's what I try to encourage people on the podcast to do is to think about those things. It doesn't mean you have to get there right now, but if that's the goal to be known for one thing, to sell one thing to one kind of person, to dominate a fast growing niche, then all the 
your subconscious mind is just going to be on the lookout for those opportunities as opposed to what everybody else does, which is they don't know what they wanted to be known for. They're, they'll sell anything to anyone. They have a thousand different products and a thousand different ideas, and they're constantly pivoting. Um, and they can never decide to put their focus on any one thing, so no one thing ever takes off. And they live in a perpetual state of frustration and hustle trying to deal with that. Uh, I never wanted to be like that. And so I, I hope that, like, like that's what I hope Microfamous is, is this little oasis of calm and clarity in a sea of noise telling you to constantly pivot and do a thousand different things. Yes. No, I th- it's really when you look at the most successful people, they're, they're, they're hyper-focused. Yeah. And, and, and they started out that way. We, we yeah. can go back to Apple. And I, I always bring up the Apple because it's a perfect example. Apple was very, for a long time, was a very, very niche, a very niche product. And very niche to the community, but he, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, in the mid '80s was a megastar to so many people, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and we can see that. I, you know, Facebook, same thing, right? Yeah. It was it was small and grew large, and I I see that so often where people are like, I can help everyone, and and it, I mean, this is just one of the fundamentals of great marketing and great business growth. Um, and so, you know, when you're planning out these podcasts, and you're you know, and you're you're thinking through this, and you said you're constantly evolving. How are you? What metrics are you using? Is it downloads? You know, to say this is working or this isn't. Uh, yes and no, uh, but they're a proxy. I mean, ultimately, when like so, when we bring on a client, what I want is I want a vision of how that investment that they make in us comes back to them five or ten x. So we break down. Okay, what's how expensive is your program? How many people do you need to put into it in order to get, you know, five to 10 X return. And so that's more of what I'm focused on. So yes, downloads, but you know, it's like, let's look at the, let's look at the actual sales numbers behind it and what's, what's happening in the business. Do you feel like when people come to your sales calls or the calls with your team, are they, are they referencing the podcast? Are they saying the podcast was responsible for why they decided to reach out? You know, is it in the story of how they became a fan of yours? Uh, or is it just, you know, like, oh, I came to you through your 17 other ways you, you, you market. So that, that's a big part of what we're looking at. With clients, we're doing like ongoing strategy, which obviously you would do. Um, for myself, yeah, I'm looking, at, uh, I'm looking at how many people reach out to me and go, hey, I'm listening to the podcast. I love the podcast. I just had some, a conversation with a guy today who probably runs the biggest podcast in the real estate space and reached out and said, I love the Microfamous podcast. I love what you're doing. I love what you're up to. I'm like, awesome. This is someone that has 20 million downloads under his belt. I had no idea he was listening. No That's idea. So cool. Yeah. And that like, it's just, it's stuff like that where you don't, you don't realize, um, but that to me, that's how you gauge it is ultimately sales, our sales going up and in the sales calls, are they referencing the podcast as the reason why they reached out? And then how many people just in general reaching out, tell, telling you, giving you feedback saying, Hey, I'm listening. I appreciate what you're doing. You're putting out valuable stuff. Keep it up. Uh, if you keep on doing that to me, the number of downloads can be sort of irrelevant. Um, I mean, one of my clients was joking around, he runs a multi-million dollar coaching business and he was bragging to his kids that his latest YouTube video got, or, you know, like it was a podcast episode that was converted into a YouTube video, got like 173 views. And they're like, dad, so-and-so put out a video that got, you know, a hundred, you know, hundred million views. He's like, so <laughs> it's like, it's like my 173 million views is fueling my, fueling my multi-million dollar coaching business and the house you live in and the car you drive to school yep. every day and all that stuff. Yeah. It's like, um, you just, you don't need the numbers if it's the right people. Exactly. Exactly. I, I talk about this all the time with like YouTube. 
and people are like, well, how do I get more subscribers on YouTube? I'm like, why do you want more subscribers? Yes. And I'm like, and I'm like you know, if, if you, like you said, I've got clients that literally have 100 subscribers. They've had their channel for 10 years and they've made millions of dollars off their YouTube channel because yeah. they don't care about the subscribers. YouTube is yes. the number two most used search engine. That, and yeah, it's, if you, it's, it's that shift. And I think that, every, you know, looking at the wrong metrics really hurts podcasting, looks, yeah. it hurts your marketing, right? It's a great point. Uh, um, and so what, you know, that's one of the big mistakes I see in YouTube and it seems similar in podcasting. Mm. What are some of the other big mistakes when you're trying to harness this micro famous idea that you see people make? You know, the biggest thing is get, getting pulled off of your mission. I think, you know, the, the mission to become known for one thing. And there's such a temptation to talk about other things, to bring quote unquote, you know, the, the, there, there's a little bit of a conflicting thing out there, which is authenticity. Where, whereas, you know, from marketing, like marketing is all about packaging and positioning, right? You want to take mm -hmm. the same person, the same product, and with a little tweaks to the positioning and the packaging, you can completely change people's perception of it. Unfortunately, when people get into podcasting or YouTube or anything like that, they're tempted to bring so much of their quote unquote authentic self to it that they end up talking about anything and everything to the point where people don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they stand for. They don't know what they sell. Um, and part of, I think our job as marketers and agency owners is to keep reminding people like, Hey, th these are the things that you talk about that actually create demand for what you do. Talk about those things. Uh, yes. Sprinkle in some of the other stuff. But if you, if you're too distracted, if you're too quote unquote authentic, that you bring so much of all of your other interests and all the other things you want to talk about to the table, you end up diluting your message and you, you never become known for one thing. That's, I mean, it's so, so true. I mean, there's so many of those people doing it. And it's interesting because we mentioned Gary Vee at the beginning and how Gary Vee, what, I mean, Gary Vee's podcast, and he admits this, he got known for being like the hustle guy, but it really never got him business. It, it was years before that level of fame got him any type of business. Yeah. And I think that people get away from that. Um, so when, you know, when you're thinking of what are some of the trends that you're seeing right now for coaches and consultants what are some of the big opportunities that they can take right now in the podcast world? One of the biggest ones, I think, is just the increasing levels of distrust. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you watch landing pages now, notice how we shifted to so much social proof. Like it's just like some of the best landing pages now have just, you know, reams and reams and reams and reams of screenshotted testimonials. It's like because nobody believes what you say anymore. You know, it's like we're, we're so, like, we're so good, quote unquote, you know, we're, we got so good at info marketing that the, we were better at the info marketing than we were at creating courses and programs that actually deliver people results. And people started to get wise up to that. So now coaches and consultants are looking at that arena going, oh, well, I can just create a course, throw it up, throw up a landing page and people will buy it. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, they will not. Uh, and this feeds into what you do. Um, and we incorporate this too by encouraging our clients to have their own clients on their podcast, and which which inevitably turns into case studies on their own success, right? Just interviewing yep. your own clients, however you do it, whether it's a podcast or video, they're inevitably going to have good things to say about you, which you immediately want to take all that stuff and throw it everywhere, whether it's social media, your email follow-up campaigns, your website. But the point of that is um, it's distrust. We got so good at info marketing that people are so distrustful now that things like video case stories and podcasting 
are the antidote to that because people have to hear real people talking about how they got results from you. They've got to sound like them. They've got to be in the same industry as them. They've got to be in similar situations to them because otherwise they just will not believe it'll work for them. Yes. I mean, and it's becoming more and more. And people don't even, I don't even believe reviews on Amazon anymore. Right? I, I, yeah, I, you're looking for whether they're written in English, like native English yeah. speakers. You're, you're watching out for that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I'm going down to the worst reviews. And I'm like, well, let me see if there's a common thing in the worst reviews. And I, you know, I just got a new smoker. And I spent like four hours on YouTube watching videos of people talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true because I'm like, I don't trust any of these people. That's, it's such yeah. a good point. But yeah. when you overcome that mistrust, you grow fast, don't you? Yeah, potentially. Uh, yeah, I think it, it depends on whether you're positioning yourself into a niche that's also growing fast. Have you ever read, um, because we're both fans of, I think, the 80-20 principle, so we may have talked about this already. Um, have you read Richard Koch's book, uh, The Star Principle? No. Okay. Oh, man. It's, yeah, amazing, amazing book. Um, he talks about how basically all of success in business comes down to two things. Are you the number one business in a niche that's growing by 10% or more a year? So I, I bring that over into podcasting, right? Are you the number one podcast in a niche? And is the niche itself growing by 10% a year? Like regardless of your podcast, regardless of your brand, whatever, outside of you, are you in a niche where the niche itself is growing by 10% a year or more? Because if you're not, you're gonna, it's going to be slow going potentially. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, I mean, you know this from working in cl with clients that are kind of all across the spectrum in different, in different industries. You can take something in a very boring static industry and maybe you bring new technology into it and you get a growth spurt, but that's going to level off. You know, um, what you want to do is you want to position yourself in a place where the niche itself is growing and then whatever you do in that space is going to grow. And it, you know, and you have, if you have an advantage on top of that, great. But if you're, if you're in a niche where it's already growing, everything you do is just easier. Growth is easier. Sales come easier. Uh, cause there's already buzz. There's already interest. People are already talking about it in the hallways of events and Facebook groups and stuff. I mean, that's half the battle is just positioning yourself in the right place. Cause if you don't, everything comes harder, even through no fault of your own. Yes. It's yes. Hard. I mean, it's, it is hard, you know, segued into relationships and referrals because the podcast is a great way to build referrals, to build, you know, relationships and sit and talk because I love it. I'm not a good small talker. But I can get in and talk <laughs> about someone's business and ask them questions. And yeah. I, I wouldn't, you know, I'd be feel weird if I started asking questions like this at a bar or a restaurant. But it's normal here. Uh, <laughs> you'd be That's like, so why true. are you grilling me about podcasts, Ian? I'm trying to eat. But, you know, you said you have a key to really building relationships once the, the conversation is done. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And, oh, like, let's talk about those successes because you've helped people get on stage with this. You've done a lot with this. Yeah, so I, I stumbled across this completely by accident. Just, uh, I, I think it was in the moment I asked this question and then I, I, I looked at the response and went, okay, I need to ask this every time. So here's the question. Uh, who can I introduce you to that would make the most difference or the, that would move the needle in your business? What, what's that person look like? And holy cow, when I started asking that question, people would just be like, Oh, 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 wow. Like, well, I've never thought of it that way. You know, because everybody asks, like, who's your ideal client? Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about who can refer you business for the next 10 years. Who can, who can make them, who, who, you know, who do you want to be mentored by? You know, like those, like it, it starts opening the door to that kind of introduction. Um, so, I mean, just over the, like, uh, just last week in the waning, waning weeks of the year, I was able to take someone that I'd interviewed on a podcast, um, the one that you're about to be on, one book that changed my life. 
And she was lovely and delightful and had lots of great things to say to real estate people. And she's based in Texas. I'm like, you know, I know someone who puts on a, an event in Texas for women, powerhouse women in real estate. Great. Made the connection. They already responded. They're already chatting. So that that's going to lead to her probably being on stage at that event. Uh, and that's not the first person, by the way, I've introduced to that particular event. Uh, I introduced a, a guy uh, to a client years ago. They ended up being business partners on a venture. And they practically, like like the guy lived with my client for like six weeks. Um, they became, you know, the best of friends. So, yeah, it's, the, it's those kinds of opportunities. And then just all the normal stuff uh, in between of just building good relationships with good people. I love it. I love it. And it's, it's such a value first, but it, it's a very specific question instead yeah. of who's your ideal clients um, and can lead to like, I mean, it leads to much more interaction and yeah. immediate response too, because it's much easier to introduce someone instead of saying, oh, this is your ideal client. I'm going to introduce you because that, that person's not necessarily ready to buy, but the person mm -hmm. that, yeah, that introduction can happen right away. Um, yeah. And this and is then, where it helps if you have a podcast or really anything that's similar it could be a video show. It could be a YouTube channel where you interview people. It could be a Facebook live show. It doesn't have to be a podcast. But if you have something like that, it does make it easier for people to introduce others to you because it gives them a reason to introduce them that isn't, hey, I think you should pay them money. You know? It's like, yeah. it's just, hey, I think you should meet and have an open-ended conversation, which I don't know where it's going to lead. Like those are hard introductions. There's a lot of introductions I've made over the years that just wouldn't have happened if one of those people I was trying to connect didn't have a podcast. Because it just, it just makes it easier to make the connection and you're not expecting anything of either party other than, hey, I think you guys would have a really cool conversation and it's marketing. So go do it. Love it. Love it. Um, and so getting started with you, best place to follow you. I, you said you're on zero social media. So <laughs> for, for the most part, yeah, uh, I, I, li I live what I teach. Um, so, uh, so a couple things. Yeah. Get microfamous.com. So if they get on the email list there, they also get a free digital copy of Microfamous, which is awesome. Uh, and uh, if you just want to follow my work, if you like what I have to say, uh, go over to Substack and just look up the Microfamous field report. So that's where, in, in lieu of doing things on Facebook and LinkedIn, like that's where I publish small, long videos, written, whatever. It all goes on Substack. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And uh, we'll put links to that in the show notes. If you're obviously watching YouTube, links down below. Yeah. Matt, this has been awesome. Uh, you know, a lot of fun. I'm excited, you know, definitely want to have you back on as, as these things grow and, and you have more and more success stories, but I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all this amazing knowledge about getting micro famous. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. And thanks for taking Matt and I on your journey. It's been Iron Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know, it'll make you an authority. You know, it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer? An agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special 
insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. 